Simon. Good to see you again. How's the week been? It's been splendid. You know, uh, as you know, Dave, we had our um, first podcast guest uh, midweek. And uh, we've got our second guest on today. And I'm looking forward to introducing a very good colleague of mine, uh, Gary Piggott. Um, but just to highlight uh, for anyone who's a cricket fan, we've just taken a wicket. So I'll drop that in uh, as well yeah. before uh, we, we go on, just before shows tea. Are, shows we're yeah. relevant and uh, fairly recent, I suppose. But then I, I, I'm not even going to really talk about cricket. It's the last time we talked about it. I slagged off the, the England cricket team and because uh, I thought they were going to lose. And then they went on and won. So... Uh, I think uh, yeah. maybe they heard, Dave, and they've used that as a motivating <laughs> thing to, uh, you know, kick your kick their asses into gear. Uh, so I, yeah, well, mate, I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, no, I, I, I think, I think the rain's gonna do it, uh, uh, take this one out. So I think I'm putting a stick in the sand here. I think Australia are gonna win the Ashes series just because England can't oh, win dear. this one because of the weather. Oh, dear, dear. Not oh, very loyal, but he, anyway. He's not, he's, are you English? Um, so yeah, Sunday's yeah. supposed to be good. It's supposed to be a yeah. good day. We'll see if it holds or not. It's in um, Manchester. It'll be raining, don't you worry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, tomorrow definitely looks awful. Yeah. Um, but it's brilliant, mate. It's great to be on the second one and have a second guest. And uh, as I said, it's a, it's a really good colleague of mine and um, I would say friend, uh, Gary Piggott. And Gary did my role. So I used to do it in Kent. He did it in Essex. And... Um, Gary's got a wealth of experience. Uh, I won't say he's old because uh, <laughs> it'll get upset, <laughs> but he's got a wealth of experience that stretched back to years and years and years. So it's a real uh, pleasure to have him on and being able to share his insights because I think all the people who are listening are going to really benefit from some of the nuggets that he's going to share about uh, where he's got to and where he's at at the moment. And um, I think it will be entertaining. Uh, I'll put some pressure on him. He's got to tell some jokes. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So, Gary, welcome, mate. It's, it's great to welcome. see you and for agreeing to become a guest on uh, uh, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly podcast. Yeah. Hi, guys. So how Absolute are you? Pleasure. Yeah. And uh, thanks for asking me on. Really appreciate it. Well, you know, I, we have chats all the time. As, as you know, we're always catching up and uh, we, we like to put the world to rights in around coach development. <laughs> and I, I just thought, well, why don't we formalise that a bit, capture a little bit, you know, and then at least when we've got our own grandkids, we can say, look, look at this old nonsense I was talking about when I was younger. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? And they'll just say, shut up, granddad. Um, I, was, so I, was, I was thinking it was more likely going to turn out like an episode <laughs> grumpy old men. <laughs> yeah. it's not too bad though because that fits in quite nicely with the bad yeah. and the ugly potentially yeah. could be where that we have work quite well yeah, yeah yeah we work we tee it up as a bit room 101 ish but yeah i think grumpy old men's an even better analogy for for me and you on this call today so we always start we're just asking <clears> that the guest um just give us a little bit of an overview, a bit of a bio. So for anyone who doesn't know coach development, you know, and uh, what that entails, but also a background for you. Uh, give us a little bit of, um, you know, where's Gary come from, what, what sort of stuff he's done, and we'll delve into it a bit more deeper as we go through. So as deep or shallow as you want, mate, over to you. Okay, guys. Um, so I suppose my, my start point would have to be when I actually, you know, got into coaching initially. Um, and obviously prior to that, like a lot of people, very passionate about football. When I was a kid, played all day, every every sort of daylight hour I was out, you know, playing football with me mates. Um, uh, I'm old enough to, you know, have not had a coach at a young age. I didn't have a youth coach until I was 14. 
Um, it didn't seem to do me too much harm. But there is, you know, massive value in having coaches now at younger age groups as long as they're doing the right stuff. Um, and I think that that's sort of... And, and when I sort of played as I got older, I, I, I always liked to be quite... I was always quite vocal and liked to organise teammates, whether mm. they sort of liked that or not. I, that was the way that I played. And anyway, fast forward, you know, years, um, married, um, had a son. He wanted to get into football, you know, of his own volition rather than me force him into it. And um, and at that time, it was, I think he was six when he started playing football, so more like sort of little pirate league and stuff like that. And the guy that took the team, um, whether it was for his sanity or not, after about six weeks, give up. And <laughs> I sort of, um, I sort of was the last one to step back and ended up doing his football team. What sort of age and, was you then, Gareth? God, um, I haven't got a close eye. Um, I were, I'm well at a, what was he? I suppose I was about 25-ish, something like that. Okay, so quite young uh, as a grassroots yeah. coach starting out, because that's the interesting thing. Obviously, you work with them a lot. You know, yeah. grassroots coaches do have to step forward when everyone else steps back. So, yeah, I just... So you can connect or resonate with some of the coaches who might listen in on this. I think, yeah, Massively. 25 and taking over. Um, yeah. yeah, it shows that level of empathy that you can have and connect with them because um, you've been there. Yeah, go on. Sorry, yeah, mate, it was, a, it was a bit daunting. And, you know, I put something out the other day, tweeted something the other day about how naive and, um, I suppose, uninformed I was when I first started. And the only experience I had, going into it was was actually my experiences of playing football and what I liked and didn't like that the coach did when I was an adult footballer. So I, I in my wisdom, sort of put sessions on that I liked as a coach, uh, as a footballer, mm. thinking that the kids would like it and, yeah. and very quickly found out that weren't, you know, there's more to it than that. Um, were, you still, were you still playing football at the same time? Yeah, well? yeah. I, I gave up when my body told me to. I played vets football and all that, you know, um, and really enjoyed that. But once, you know, you, we all get to a stage where your body's going, well, I'm afraid that's it, mate. You know, you've, you've um, mm. run your course. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, even, you know, sort of further down the line coach, you know, I was still playing football. So it was good. And, and I would say that I think I think I actually became a better player once I became a, a coach and did qualifications because I understood what it took to be, you know, a better player and understood mm. the game a bit more rather than mm. just playing as a player because you don't really tend to think, oh, I didn't, I didn't really mm. tend to think about the game or I didn't consciously think about the game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I took the team to, after about six months, I took the team, South and United used to do um, match day experiences. And so I took the kids down there and they sort of trained over the local park, which was virtually opposite the club of the ground. And then you walked across after you had the training session, um, had something to eat, uh, burger and chips, sausage and chips or something yeah. you know, random like that. And um, and then watched the game. And that was mm. it. And the kids, absolutely, I suppose they, was, they didn't know any better, but they absolutely loved it. Um, albeit it was a South End United, but yeah, so I 
really enjoyed <clears throat> the concept of what was going on that that morning and that experience and um i actually sort of got talking to the, the football community officer down there anyway fast forward a little bit further we had another match day experience later in the season and i'd had some further conversations with um, frank banks who was the, the guy i was talking about and I thought it was it was definitely a pathway I wanted to go down, and I really, you know, found a bit of a passion for it and a drive, and it sort of invigorated me. So, um, one thing led to another, and I ended up getting a part-time role down there. So I, I stopped doing what I was doing, and with the support of my wife, obviously because she had to <laughs> had to agree with it, um, I ended up doing some part-time work down there, doing the Saturday experiences um staffing soccer schools going into school stuff like that um and then eventually it led to a full-time job so that was my sort of start and i think you know, i officially started down there in 1994 something like that and was yeah. down there i was down there sort of five five years but the about 15 months at the tail end of that southern united got a partnership with basildon district council so i went up to basildon area and which was like um basildon brentwood <clears throat> billericay to um set up a scheme within those areas that mm. we would the same was, was was happening in the south end area so it was soccer schools um after school coaching football development center um curriculum coaching later on etc mm. etc et so the normal stuff you know um and it was excellent really loved it and the council um ended up sort of having a little bit of a fallout with um the guy who headed up ledger services called me in one day and he said go he said i've got some bad news but potentially good news he said um we're dissolving the partnership with south thing because we're not really getting anything out of it and said you know they, they supplied me with an office in a sports centre everything mm. i needed you know to to do the job that i was doing um and south end was sort of pocketing all the money <laughs> all the activities. um so good use of the uh, council taxpayers well yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh no change there by the sound of it um and uh he said so we're dissolving the partnership um but we love what's going on and he said would you would you head up a football development scheme for us so i did it took me about 30 minutes to think about it and then yeah. said yeah i'll do it and and then i spent five years doing that for basil and district council um, nice. which brilliant so same thing but I, under the banner of basil and district council added some more things to it um so we we started doing um girls football um we started doing uh, disability football so I've, i worked with a guy called more like some of the i'd say it was some of the most rewarding coaching i've ever done hardest but rewarding. yeah so we did a two-hour session every saturday morning up at Ballington sports center um so barry simmons worked for charlton athletic and he was their disability lead and yeah we got quite a close relationship working there mm -hmm. and it was just so powerful you know and it was heartwarming heart rendering 
Mm. Um, I used to go home and shout at the kids every Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Don't know how lucky you are and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but brilliant. And anyway, there's a variety I, of coaching there as well. Yeah. So it's some grounding there because I've heard this from other people who've made it to the top in elite sport as well. Uh, and I know you, you know you've got to an FA role, and, and you'll get to that very soon, I imagine. But that grounding that that gave you that variety of stuff you know you're touching on the disability there what yeah. sort of skills did you get from all that sort of stuff that, that you were covering because it sounds quite broad um i think that the main thing i learned so is I, I honestly believe that if you're if you're working with disability groups it's exactly the same my analogy is if i'm working with disability groups as long as i know they're specific needs and as long as i know their specific considerations that i have mm. to take on board mm -hmm. for their disability it's no different to any other coaching right. so i would differentiate the coaching um, mm. in relation to their ability rather than disability so if they can do that i'll challenge them a bit more mm -hmm. if they can't do that i'll make that a bit easier i think sometimes it's a <clears throat> some people see it as a very I suppose daunting prospect to go and work in disability football but i think as long as you have got the, the you know done the groundwork and got the the the, the right information because i used to run the sort of disability courses um within my next role yeah um, as well and um yeah and that, they was equally as empowering for the for the grassroots coaches that came on then yeah no that's, yeah. that's brilliant because i think that's a little nugget for me you know it's meeting them at their needs and wants and understanding them and investing that time to understand them you can then just coach them yeah and you know it's making it ability focused rather than disability focused which yeah i think is lovely for any grassroots coach or any coach really listening is um it's not about me it's about them so no thanks for sharing that because i think no. a lot of people will will take a lot from that so where did you go next where, where what happened um so yeah i did some I did some. Do you remember the Tops program? Yeah. That came into being. So I, I ended up tutoring on that, and it was sort of basic stuff they led on it, and they asked if I'd do some tutoring on it. So I did in my area, you know, that Basildon area. So going in delivering top sessions um, in in schools, and they got a kit bag and all that, and. Um, time progressed and I, I eventually there was a guy called Steve Goodsell who I've got a lot lot to thank for to be perfectly honest so I had quite a right close relationship with him I used to sort of interact with him on occasions and we sort of built a good rapport and he was the county development manager at Essex FA and he, he said to me one day um, I'm trying to develop a role within the county FA that more likely only one other county FA had across the country and that yeah. was a um coaching development officer and he said if i if i managed to get it sanctioned by the board would you be interested so i said yes <laughs> <laughs> in a in a nutshell give it a and, go yeah <laughs> and um he explained what the role you know what the role would be and it it'd be i suppose some similarities but you know other things were far different than you know it was, it was so anyway sorry i got the role um spent 12 years in that role actually and it was 
organising the the coach education program for the county, the medical education program, um, CPD events, um, working with uh, the community chart standard teams and coaches, organising in-service training for tutors who was doing the coach education courses, identifying mentors and potential coaches, um, getting hubs, coaching hubs where we could hold the the events and bring people in sort of from the geographical area to make it a better event. Um, yeah, so I mean that was that was brilliant. Did some stuff on you know providing a, a sort of um, uh, newsletters once a month. Uh, started a coaches association, which stopped because the FA bought in the football Fatter. association coach facker or whatever yeah, you yeah. want to call it um they bought that in so we i suppose the board said well we shouldn't do that because of their faith doing it um so yeah that sort of went out the window mm. but yeah and that was yeah so 12 years there and great experiences so what Obviously, it's interesting that background you've got there and, and all the good work you've done. What did you do to deserve to work with Simon then? How did your, you know, how did things go downhill when you had to work with Simon? So, yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of plunged off a cliff top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Simon was more likely the same as me. A, a, a role um, came into being at the FA for cancer coach developers and the it, it sounded a really attractive proposition because it was doing i suppose doing similar to what i was doing but doing it for the fa mm. and i think with most coaches I, I think the sort of at the time i feel i thought well that that's that was the pinnacle if you like of a coaching it's, career it definitely got a lot it's got a lot of prestige hasn't it yeah that, yeah that's fair to say isn't it yeah i think it has on the face of things and um you know to 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 get the role i put in for the role at the interview got the role which i was really really pleased about obviously um and the, my role didn't change too much i had a different track suit mm. but i had more responsibilities if you like so it was um and all this time as well, I was sort of tutoring the co-ed courses, so the the level one, level two, um, the youth award um, modules, youth award mod one, two, and three, and some education sort of uh, qualifications as well that the FA um, started rolling out, which was which was fine as well. So yeah, busy, but excellent and i've always had a, a really good working relationship with the county fa that continued um and then five years doing that obviously met simon doing that role um and we sort of struck up quite a good relationship i, I think you know even out of a bar yeah so now we we I think we was we had similar views on things and a similar outlook on things. Not exactly the same, but very similar. Mm. Um, and did that role for the right reasons. Um, and are very passionate about and still passionate about trying to help develop 
coaches who want to be helped to be developed. Yeah, because I, 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 I do see a lot of alignment in our pathways getting to where we, we've got to, because um, um, I, I was going to ask you this, coach or coach developer, you know, because I, I, I personally see myself more as a coach developer. I love coaching, but I love coach yeah. development more. And, and listening yeah. to your journey there and where you've sort of 12 years in that role, for you, uh, similar or different or a blend? What is it, Gail? What do you see yourself? I think, I think definitely a coach developer. Hmm. I see my, my passion now, where my passion was coaching players. And I, I, I still like to develop players, but more likely developing players and helping players through better educating and better informing their coaches. So yeah. I think if we can have better informed coaches, then hopefully the, the experience within training and match days for grassroots players will be better. And I, and that's my passion now. Mm. Um and there are some very, very good proactive coaches out there. There's some very good coaches out there who haven't been on a course yet. Yeah. Um, and they've got certain skill sets naturally that it could be from their jobs and their other walk of life. And they just have naturally got those people skills. Mm. Um, and I suppose I'm obviously I'm not as I'm not experienced in this whole field at all. And and I suppose my only view on it has been I suppose from as a football fan, but also speaking with Simon, you, you both of you obviously have been involved of the FA um, and developing coaches. Now, when I was playing football, you know there was still the element of being shouted at by people off the sidelines. That you know the level of coaching wasn't really ideal. But and this might be a silly question, but from what you guys and Gary specifically. Are you seeing that that investment in the coaches is actually having a bigger, you know, having the impact on, on you know, the footballers that this country is turning out, I suppose? Obviously, with the FA, you've got the England team as the ultimate goal, but also, you know, kids playing football now. Is that experience, you know, better and kids are being trained better because the coaches have got the skills to do it? I think that, I think the potential is there for that to be happening on a more regular basis than it is. I think there are some excellent coaches out there and a lot of coaches will, and Simon, I would imagine, would agree that you know full well the coaches or the learners, as we call them now, uh, on the courses, um, you get a feel for whether they're engaging with that process or whether they're just sitting there listening to what you've got to say and then they're going to continue down the same route as they were um i think that on the whole behaviors are better i think that maybe more needs to be done around maybe parental workshops yeah uh, we used to do a soccer parent workshop where it you know taught didn't teach parents but it gave parents some advice and some tips about being more supportive to coaches and clubs um, how can we engage in the process better um, what's the sort of you know language we should be using on the side of the pitch should we be shouting out all the time or you know should we yeah. you know what's what's the journey like to the match and to training in the car and back home those types of things but it's pretty much 
at the moment it's left to the the coaches and the clubs to put these things into place and i would imagine a lot of coaches and clubs don't actually know that they need to put that into place or try to build those relationships with the parents because that's all part of the relationship group mm -hmm. you know that we've got to link it up so it's you know it's the coach it's the parent it's the player and that's your sort of um cycle and with that if one of them's missing then there's a problem yeah um, and I, I'm in total agreement with you there because if you don't have that connection, then it, it's, it's a weak point, and uh, that's where it can all fall down. So parents do need that education, and I think it needs to happen in uh, a robust way, face to face, because online yeah. can do so much, but it can't do everything. So we get yeah. people to come on, Gare, uh, and they talk about passion, and we all interpret things in different ways, don't we? So yeah. your interpretation of passion, what is it? If you had to describe it, how do you describe your passion for, you know, what you do? Where does it come from? What is it? I suppose the love of it, really, the motivation to do it, um, how hard you want it, oh, sorry, how much you want it, how, how hard, it's a bit like the motivational thing, isn't it? You know, what do you want to do? How hard are you going to work at it? And, and how long are you going to work hard at it for? Um, I just, it's just something that I just feel, I just feel really good about seeing light bulbs come on mm. with people. And I think the Youth Awards really brought that home to me was people did a, and I'm not saying necessarily the Youth Mod 2 or the Youth Mod 3, which were excellent, you know, modules in themselves, but the Youth Mod 1, where we started talking about um, motivation, we started talking about how players learn or helping players learn. We spoke about self-esteem, social corner. You know, I mean, you could spend four days talking about the social corner mm. um, and, you know, the socialisation of others and the social influences and things like that, which we don't really... You know, it was included a bit in the the old, you know, the level two that's just finished prior to the UFC starting, but we didn't really scar it as far as I'm concerned. And I think that that's something that's so powerful. Mm. And they really, you know, there was people there who, you know, I'd, I had one guy on a course who, who went away after the first two days of the Youth Mod 1 and it um, introduced three different things within his workplace. He had a he had a um, sales team of twenty two people, and I'd ne I never really thought of it as being for adults in a workplace mm. before he come back and because it was the normal thing you know they went away they come back the next week and okay what was the key messages from last week and I was amazed when he said uh, and that was all around um, you know socialization that was all around motivation that sort of stuff. And that's mm. so powerful um but it's, it's true i mean you know how do we want if we're at work how do we want our boss to treat us yeah exactly it's it's the, it's, oh, it's not exactly the same but it's the same sort of thing you're motivating your um you're coaching people's skills it, it's it, there's a lot of similarities isn't yeah there? and talking to people as well yeah how do you, how do you talk to people you know do, do you treat you treat people with respect do you make it an mm. enjoyable environment or is it that you know you browbeat people and it's you know do it this way or you get this 
But it comes back to um, you want your players to have a level of ownership and responsibility. They're the ones who cross the white line and have to solve those problems on the hoof. You know, we can have a framework and work within it. And I I think when the youth modules were involved uh, heavily, it was that empowering, responsible ownership. And they took that. So we all know as adults, do we want someone on our shoulder micromanaging us, telling us what to do? Or do we want someone who gives us a level of autonomy where it's like, look, you need to achieve this. Show me ways that you can do it. And I think, you know, that was what was so powerful about him. And hearing that in the adult space with the sales team of, Mm -hmm. look, guys, this is what we've got to try and achieve. Here's your KPIs. Get out there and do it. It's that transferability, isn't it, to the coaching setting to say to young people, because we know, um, you know, and Dave's Dave's a young father at the moment, so he's going through it. He's got another one on the way. Um, your child, as they develop, you want them to work things out, don't you? You want them yeah. to try and solve yeah. things because uh, it's a lot richer experience than do this, do that, yeah. uh, and, you know, and you get more response back from them. And I, I think that that's the key part for me in, in relation to coaching. You know, so when we talk about those light bulb moments uh, that you said there, it is seeing that moment where someone recognizes this is effective. Mm. This works. And that guy coming back and saying to you, I've instilled this in my teams because I see real value in it. Yeah. It's just a powerful tool, isn't it? It's a powerful element um, regarding that. So your passion then when you're trying to develop these coaches, so the youth modules were that one that really, you know, they, they were recognised across the whole game as game-changing. Yeah. Um, for you, you know, that passion, <clears throat> was that a turning point for you in, in that, you know, bringing that in and understanding that these courses now existed and going, actually, I don't know if before you'd seen it from that perspective, Gaz, or when you, you got taught this, you thought, I haven't been looking at this through the the right lens or actually seeing it through a different lens has given me uh, a whole new perspective. What were your um, feelings in and around that? I think to be perfectly honest, I the, the, the only reason I, I wasn't like that, it seemed, that seemed to be the natural way for me to coach. Mm. The reason I maybe didn't coach like that up until well, I think I did coach like that, but what changed the way I coach was going on coaching courses. Yeah. As they were then, or as they were when I when I attended them, because it was very much, you know, the stop, stand, still, show, rehearse, etc. Yeah. etc. Et and then we go live. And I hated it. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't stand that yeah. way of doing stuff. I can understand there is a rationale for doing it like that. However, um, I wouldn't say people learn by that mechanism mm. alone. So there may be a time and a place to do it. However, there may be a time and a place to help allow people to problem solve. There may be a time and a place to pull somebody over and say, well, look, have a look at this. Have a look and see what Simon's doing or what Dave's doing. What do you recognise? What do you notice that they're doing that you might be able to do, you know, when you go back on there? So it's it's not having a, an all-encompassing coaching style. It's more a case of, um, I think, what fits your natural 
I think that that fitted my personality, if you like. The Youth Awards was like something that I thought, "Hallelujah! This yeah. is something. It, this is actually how I like coaching. Mm-hmm. I love. I, you know, I, I've always felt that because of my upbringing, and I, I don't know how on earth I sort of came from my mum and dad because. <laughs> they was both incredible people and they was like a head boy and a head girl at a school mm. you know i mean you'd never listen to me and and the way that i behaved as a youngster um didn't actually um mirror their example because you know the old man was before his time you know he was superb athlete you know an army sprint champion essex sprint champion um but he was always he was also an amazing artist he was a shop steward, a convener, so a troublemaker yeah. in, a, <laughs> in an official sense. Um, but he saw injustice and sort of acted on that. And he, he just, at the time, I didn't realise it, being a, a sort of bullshy, rebellious teenager. But he taught me so many powerful life lessons yeah. that I, I've, I've turned into him, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I could go out and win Essex Championship money or anything <laughs> like that, but when I look when I look at my characteristics now, I'm very much out of that mould, and I'm proud mm. to say that I am. Do you think those uh, those things were always there, like from the founding, like that your parents gave you, and and that your life experiences have kind of you know pulled them out, so to speak, or do you think you've learned or as you've gone through life, you can actually look back and say, well, actually that characteristic or that what your dad was doing is actually you understand why they would, why he was doing that. And it makes a lot more sense. Is it that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. So like I say, when at the time it was, you know, the worst thing in the world to, you know, to be taught lessons, to have values, beliefs, behaviors, but they was totally right. And there was a rationale for doing it like that. And, you know, I, I, I was exactly the same with my kids. My daughter's exactly the same with her kids. And she rebelled as well when she had to go through that scenario. But I think that, you know, in your situation, Dave, you know, having having one child and got another one on the way, that's, in, in a way, that's the greatest learning you can have as a, as a coach as well. Mm. Because it, it, you're just not prepared for it. There's always the unexpected. You're not sure what sort of mood people are going to be in, whether they're up for doing stuff, you know, whether they've got the ump uh, for <laughs> no particular reason. How do, you, how do you get on a level with them and, and build that relationship and be able to talk to them, what's troubling them, that sort of stuff. That's that's nurtured, you know, and we have to do that in a coaching environment as well. And I think that going back to your point, Si, you know, around um, coaching in certain ways and being sort of command style dictatorial. I think that for grassroots coaches, and I, I'm not making an excuse, but it's an allowance and mm. a, a rationale for it. Is they're time poor. Yeah. So it's mm. okay for us on courses to say, well, look, you should do this. You should try this. Um, it might take a little bit more time. With you know, that's an understatement that it's going to take a little bit more time. It's going to take a lot more time to coach in this way, to be, you know, to to consider their feelings, to think about what does it mean when I say this to players? 
it's far quicker to say we'll do it like this. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and and I I I feel sorry for, and and I've, I've been sort of very, I suppose recent weeks I've been very. What's the word? Um, can't think of the word now. But I've been thinking back, reminiscing. I've been reminiscing a lot about. Um, and going back to when I said about I first started coaching, I was a total idiot when yeah. I started coaching because I didn't have a clue. My nickname is Boot Camp Barry. Yeah, exactly that. I've yeah. seen the film from Fulham. Yeah. You showed me it. <laughs> that <laughs> was, was me better, that was, guys. <laughs> but I, was exactly, I was exactly the same. Yeah. But I think, like you, like you said, um, I think that having had 10 years <clears throat> in my first two roles, doing what you'd say is sort of playground coaching where you, you know, you have to engage with people. You have to try and motivate people, whether it be on soccer schools or whether it be um, in, in school activities, um, getting to know them players and knowing what makes them tick and what they'd like to do so that they enjoy the session as well. You have to differentiate between individuals. That's, that's, I think that's something that, Maybe um, in recent years, and it will like continue to be the same, mm. that younger coaches are missing out on because I, I, I sort of see the the race to go and work in an academy. Yeah, and and if you only take that route, then you're going to be lacking in some skill sets that you definitely need further down the line. Yeah. I, you know, I'm quite a humanist and I believe if you're a good human first, things grow out of that. And I think young coaches, you know, because of beginners, and we all know you collect sessions and you want technical, tactical information and you forget, well, actually, to teach the game, I've got to teach the person. Uh, yeah. You know, as we used to say, to teach John and Jane, you have to understand John and Jane. And if you don't, then, you know, you're not going to get very far. Um, and I think when coaches have that penny drop, and that was going back to the youth modules that mm. dropped that penny dropped quite heavy on that first course. They always come away blown away by, and there was no pressure because there was no assessment. It was attendance, which was also a nice thing. So yeah. it just lifted the mood. There was no pressure around. You must do this to pass. Yeah. I, I think it gave people that, that view that we role modeled humanistic behaviors. You know, we're going to treat you as people respectfully, but that's what we'd like you to role model to kids. We'd yeah. like you to treat them as uh little human beings rather than little adults and um, I, I think that that's quite a key part of it dave anything you could add on that yeah i what i was going to say was as 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 someone that's not from this background at all and i know this will be something that our listeners will be interested to find out was but and this to both of you really not just to you gary is if we have got someone listening that may be involved in coaching their kids or you know a relative or whatever like that how do, if they want you know if they want to develop and become a better coach what's you know what's the first step what do they need you know what option what uh, what's out there to help them to to progress rather than you know they they hit a point where maybe they they'd like to get their skill levels up but they don't know where to go what what's the first step for those sorts of people yeah i think i think that i think the fa of of um, you know, put quite a good playmaker online playmaker course, which is free to to go on. Um, so that'll give you a little bit of an insight about mm. 
basically organising some sessions and stuff like that and engaging with with youngsters. Um, it doesn't go into too much great detail, but but then they have got the sort of introduction to coaching football, which is another online course. Um, and there's, you know, obviously a couple of different opinions as to whether doing too many online courses or only online courses is yeah. is uh, beneficial or not. Um, I think in the pipeline there is something where the FA are going to do like a, a practical follow-up to that. Um, so it, it seems like, you know, that's something that they've, you know, with feedback maybe they've um, thought that that's something that's needed. But, yeah, I think, I think that learn, um, get onto something official, um, don't necessarily go on Twitter and find out about coaching. Yeah. Um, listen to people who, who are qualified in talking about it and can give the information in the in the right way and just look to go from that point, I would say. And also, if you're starting off with a very young group of players, I would say don't only think of looking at football coaching, um, the sort of practical side of it, but think about the things we've been speaking about with regards to the messages in the youth award um, where we, you know, we're talking about, well, how, how do I help players learn at young ages? How do they learn at young ages? Yeah. Um, you know, how do we motivate players? How do we, how do we manage behavior with young age groups? Those types of things, because I think the more you can, you can find out about those sorts of things, the better and the better prepared you be for, for actually you know, going out on the grass. But I think, uh, you know, it's always hard for a podcast guest to come on and almost promote themselves. But since being made redundant from the FA, you've been doing some excellent work with grassroots coaches within uh, Essex. And I think as a, a resource for anyone who's interested from the Essex area, um, you know, if they're not aware of the work that you're doing, you know, just highlight um, that, you know, you know, please don't hold back on selling yourself because if they do get with, with someone like yourself, and I'm a great believer, someone in of your stature and experience going into a club um, is a great resource to help those coaches at all different stages of their development, you know, and um, it is just, you know, give us a little bit of just some of the, the day-to-day stuff you're doing to help coaches yourself, you know, so away from those formal uh, coach education slots that the FA offer with online and uh, the UEFA CMB, yeah. but you know that that more that more mentoring coach education development approach that you've adopted um, recently. So give us an insight into that, please. Okay, mate. Well, thanks for your kind words. Um, no problem. Yeah. So um, so I run a um, a sort of company which is called uh, County Coach Development and. Going back to, I suppose, the messages from the youth award, I base what I do around um, four different elements. So one is one is environment, one is player, one is coach, one is game. So they're the sort of the headings, if you like, around the program. But obviously, there's sub subtext mm. and and contextual content in that. Yeah. So environment, what does it take to develop? A good environment for players and and that could be players who are under eight or that could be players who are adolescent or that could be adult players Hmm. and i honestly believe that if you look at those four strands 
whatever arena you happen to be coaching, they are relevant. So if I'm working with Real Madrid, I've got to create the right environment for Real Madrid players, which isn't yeah. the same as creating an environment for under eights. Mm. So there are, you know, obvious, obvious variables and different levels and degrees of what you would do within all of those things. So everything pertinent to um, developing the right environment. Um, <laughs> what what do we do regarding players? So what's the players' needs, um, roles and responsibilities, um, individual development plans, things like that, mm -hmm. um, positional attributes on the field, that sort of thing, and and you know loads and loads more. Coach, what the, what's the what are the qualities that I need as a coach, and what are the core coaching skills that I need to know about as a coach as well? Mm -hmm. So very much individualised about getting um, maybe coaches to identify what their strengths are, what their areas for development are. See if we're aligned. If I go out and see them coach, and they you know they want some honest feedback. Um, and then we can build a plan for the coaches as well. Um, and then the game, well, what is the game at your level? You know, what's the format of the game that your your players are playing? What's the training sessions that we're putting on relevant to the format of the game that they're playing? Are they relevant to the format of the game they're playing? Or are we pulling, you know, training sessions off of, off of YouTube or off of Twitter or whatever other sort of mm. social media thing there might be? And is it relevant to your players and the game that they play? Mm. So that's that's the sort of, I suppose, the basis of what I do. Also, I, I do, um, I've been doing some online sort of workshops around um, informing coaches about content on UEFA C's. So I did a six months sort of duration of course um, for that. And then I did, a, I'm in the middle of doing like a 10 month, once a month, um, series for UEFA B, potentially mm. UEFA B coaches. Um, and I'll be rolling something out again in the future as well. So same thing in the future. But equally um, going into, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, going, yeah. Into, going into clubs, doing stuff. So I'm supporting um, a few clubs in Essex where I'm, I'm going into clubs and doing CPD, some of it practical, some of it theoretical, some mm. of it combined. Um, and, you know, it, it, can, it can be anything, mate. It can be anything and it's the way i've the way i've communicated it is it's it's a bespoke program yeah so i'm not saying to you you need to, you must pick from this mm. um you know and here's your shopping list it's more a case of tell me what you need tell me what your club needs or tell mm. me what your coach what you perceive your coaches need and we can have a chat we can have a meeting and we can decide the best route forward and whatever you need i can i can provide it yeah, because I think what comes across for me that's different to formal coach education that I think is a vital ingredient in this is the time that you can dedicate and afford yeah. to supporting these coaches. Because yeah. I think episodic coach education doesn't have the impact as much as having someone who's there alongside you, mentoring you, supporting you, and just getting you to see things from all the perspectives especially where your blind spots are, you know, and I yeah. think that's a great thing. And it links really to my next question because you you highlighted your dad and the, the great influence he had and also your mum to a lesser extent. But who else has helped you on your journey as a coach developer that you go, you know what, that person 
if you had to highlight one or two, it's your choice. But that person or those people gave me a real sort of development uh, experience as well that you're passing now on. And what sort of thing did they do with you that sort of unlocked things for you? Yeah, I, I, I suppose first and foremost, it would be it would be um, the guy I mentioned down at South End. Mm -hmm. um, so sort of early in my journey, Frank Banks, who was like I say the the um, the football and the community officer. Um, he used to play for South End. He played for his whole city. His claim to fame was being on the same pitches, Bobby Charlton when, um, and he'll show you a photo if you ask him. Um, <laughs> uh, when Hull City played um, Man United, um, but lovely guy. That we had a we had a, a very sort of, I suppose those a very old fashioned staff at that time, but mm -hmm. really really good people, you know, and loved loved the game of football. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, they knew everything about youth development, but it was a different different type of coaching then. Mm. Um, and that's what, you know, I sort of need and everybody needs to sort of keep in perspective. You know, we're talking sort of 29 years ago now. Yeah. And if you think what coaching was like then, then it, it bears no significance as to what it's like now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Frank would be, would be one because he certainly gave me the opportunity. Um, equally he sort of mentored me through so you know, there were some things that I, I found really impactful there were some things that like all situations you know it can either help you or you think to yourself well I'll add that to me to me toolkit or I, I wouldn't actually do that I might do it slightly different yeah so that was that was valuable as well um I think later on um Alan Ackrell who's a who's a um not so much now. He, he works with me on UEFA B courses, but I've I've known Alan for a number of years now, and he's I'm oh God, he's seventy something now. Yeah. The passion, the passion, the thing that I recognised about him was not only his knowledge of of the game, and uh, you know breaking it down, but also his his passion for learning, his passion for the game, and his passion for actually imparting information to two people as well mm. um and he also told very bad jokes and still does <laughs> and some of them are some of them are the same jokes um uh and, and i think also i learned plenty off of you know I, I feel really privileged to have done the coach developer role the county coach developer role and, and worked mm. with you know yourself sir um tony mccallum uh, Andy Paul, people like that. You know, I can't mention everybody, but yeah. but then I didn't, I didn't, have, you know, learn enough of everybody. So, but people who I I had an affinity with and the friendship with, um, I I, I learned a huge amount from those people. Mm. We've talked, I suppose, a lot about the journey that you've been on, and and obviously there we've talked about some of the people that have helped you along on that journey but as with any journey there's always you know ups and downs so in that you know in that journey that you've had what's been i suppose the biggest challenge that you've faced in this whole time and and i suppose how did you overcome it as well challenge hmm. um, on the spot there. <laughs> yeah i think that i think that really i think that really 
I mean, there's, I'm, I mean, my life's been no different to everybody else's life, and there's been massive challenges in my life. Yeah, and some of them are sort of personal, but linked to to, to work, obviously, you know, mm. for, for obvious reasons. Um, but I've been, I've been fortunate enough, and I don't, I, I don't think I would be now doing what I'm doing. And it's nice to have the flexibility of doing my own stuff. Um, but I don't think I'd been here now unless it was a, for an excellent sort of supportive network. You know, family, friends, etc. Yeah. Um, uh, because they they've been massive to me, and you know, my wife's more likely to need uh, a, a sort of critical friend, if you like, and gives good feedback on what I do, and she's honest. Um, and sometimes I don't necessarily need that honesty. <laughs> but you mentioned, <laughs> but, but I'm getting uh, it anyway. Yeah, you mentioned at the start around you know when you first started getting into coaching in some ways it was your wife that enabled you to do that yes that, so you know i think you said you were um it was a part-time role so i take it if if you're as you said your wife if your wife wasn't on board this was going to be a non-starter really Massively. wasn't it yeah she um, she actually took on another job oh yeah it, it it's it, it in 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 the most walks of life it's that network around you like family yeah. members that are so critical for success but also just getting started in those areas yeah. isn't it and i think that to be fair to, to her it was more it wasn't a case of me persuading her it was a case of her turning around and saying do you want to do it you know do yeah. you want to pursue it hmm. and i said well yeah obviously and she said we'll do it i think for for our our thing here with the good the bad and the ugly podcast is the bad the challenge bit is for us when we get guests on, we, we like them to share how they've navigated adversity. So it sounds like your wife is a strong support network mm. and your extended families. But those processes of adversity, and I know one of the personal ones um, was you, you had triple heart bypass, uh, Gaz, didn't you? So, yeah, yeah that I'm was quite a, <laughs> quite, quite a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in relation to your actual career, where would you say the biggest bump in the road was and how did you find ways to overcome that? Because I think it's always good for people who are beginners and just starting out to re recognize the process. And it's good to get your perspective on how you navigate challenges when they appear in your life. I think to be perfectly honest, the, 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 the start of my journey was was the biggest challenge so you know the going and working at south and united and like i said before is my my a vast amount of my really important skill set was developed in the environment working in schools with kids on soccer schools um you know massive massive variety in, you know doing six-week programs in schools and then moving on to another one and you've got a you know a huge variety of I mean, complexity of another 30 kids coming out to play football mm. some who wanted to be there some who didn't want to be there but it was a an after school's babysitting service more likely for some parents yeah um and it, it's down to you you know it's 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 your responsibility to ensure that they enjoy themselves mm. and, and and have a great experience and and want to come running out next week um so i think that because of you know i think those first sort of five years 
was the the sort of if I was going to falter, it would have been them. Yeah, and I think everything else since then has not been easy because, like yourself, Sai, um, we've worked hard to mm. do what we do and to get where we've got um, whatever level people might perceive that to be. Yeah. Um, but the actual difficulty for me was actually learning how to deal with these things mm. because I didn't have a great deal of experience, if I'm honest. I mean, all right, I had, I had a child. Yeah. But it's not like a playground full of 30 kids all going mental, you know, and and it's like herding cats. But, yeah, you know, but you learn to, you learn to deal with it. You learn to cope. You learn, you learn mechanisms to deal with it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I think that was the biggest challenge. And I spent, I suppose, in total, you look at the two roles, that and Basildon, I spent 10 years doing that. Yeah, and that's that time served, isn't it? Because I think yeah, massively similar. Um, I, I like I said, I, I've had similar journey in relation to that. And the challenge was when I got into coaching, I wanted to be a youth team coach at a professional level, but yeah. no background in playing, no background yeah. in coaching. Um, so when you're doing that type of community-based work, there was almost a bit of snobbery back then. You know, when oh, yeah. I when I first started out, like uh, 1996 where coaches in the game looked down on coaches yeah. who did the community-based stuff and it, it, yeah. it was a you know we never had the leg ups we never had the the ways in you really did have to graft to try and get yourself in and around a spot there was yeah. no you know here here's a way in so um i don't know if you ever had that chance did you want to work in the pro game or you know was that not an aspiration and no, did I mean, you get I, I, knockbacks no, um, the only the only thing I did do, I, I did a couple of develop. Uh, I worked when I did my time at Southend United in that initial sort of period. I worked um, at the Centre of Excellence as well in tandem with that. Yeah, and I ran a um, development centre for Ipswich Town for two years as well. Mm. Um, and I've I've coached at you know various semi pro clubs and things like that. Yeah, but I, I've never, I suppose, I've never been able to to give the time full time if you like to doing mm. that yeah and and I, I think i realized quite early on that um i didn't really want to go down that professional mm. club route because of what i what i'd seen and people i'd spoke to and experiences they'd had and and i suppose and i'm not saying that all clubs are the same you know there's good yeah. there's bad as in different clubs coaches in every you know sort of whether it be elite or grassroots um but I think that I think there, you know, that there used to be definitely that that sort of elitism, mm. um, and you know, people thinking more of themselves than maybe they should do sometimes. Um, I was yeah. at a club. I was at a club in the development centres trying to get in, and they they said, "Oh, it's catch twenty two, mate. Um, you need experience to get in, but we can't give you any experience because you ain't got no experience." And it was like, yeah. okay, you, you can do you. whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. yeah, you can do whatever you want. You know, you're the guys who make the decisions. Yeah. But it was like, oh, you're not a name. You're not someone from here. You may have good coaching methodology, but we want X because that's a name on the banner. And, you yeah. know, and whether the coaching, we can all debate about levels of coaching, but you just think those opportunities. And that's why I started drifting more towards coach development because I thought, I'm not going to get in here. I, I need yeah. to try and find another way. Um, Dave, 
Um, what were you going to ask? I was going to ask. Obviously, we you brought up about the the bad side of things. We have talked about obviously some a lot of the good that's happened across uh, your coaching career. But I suppose looking back across it, what would you say is those? What is the the good that you've experienced during your coaching career like what is the big highlight that you i suppose look back on that you're most proud of or or you know what's the what's the biggest i think buzz you've got out of your your coaching the uh, journey that you've been on i honestly don't think i could pick one thing dave i think that, that's good i just think that i've been fortunate i wouldn't say lucky because i don't think luck comes into it because like mm. i said you know i know simon's worked hard i've worked hard yeah it sounds and like you've put a lot of effort in you know to do what we did but also um i've i've sort of i've i've not worked for the last 30 years as far as i'm concerned mm. yeah because I've got, way, yeah. I've got out of bed and i've i'm doing something i love you know and if if anybody sees it as a as a as a chore then don't do it yeah um you know so and i think that goes back to speaks of passion again you know it, I'm, I'm i'm lucky um to be doing what i'm doing i've had 30 years doing it um equally i've worked really hard at it but i've been rewarded for it with some with some some great some great roles um and I, I think that's you know reward in itself as far as i'm concerned um and hopefully you know things will will sort of continue where people can utilize sort of any sort of skill set that they feel i've i've got and information that i've got i don't know if that's a, a, a enough answer for that question no, no it's, it's it's very good like i say when you said you know you haven't regarded uh what you've been doing for the last 30 years as work you know that's i'll be honest if most people you speak to if they could say that they you know they'd love to be able to say that and i don't think there is that many people out there that that, that can say that mm. um a lot of people and i speak for experience you 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 end up doing things to pay the bills and and just generally kind of ticking over yeah um and sometimes it is hard to get out of bed in the morning <laughs> <if I'm laughs> <honest>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i think so. i think that links in um because with that passion in football and you mm. you might have a view on this and dave you might have a view on it as well is the wages are low you know yeah. so i know when I first started working for Fulham in 2005, I was on about £21,500 a year as a football development officer. I recently saw another club in London. I won't say their names because I don't want to embarrass them on here. But they were offering the same wage 10 years later. And you think, how are things not moved on? Yeah. And I think it links to that passion bit that they know people get into it because they love it. They yeah. uh, will do anything to get in. They want a step-by-step -step approach to it. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the, the ugly side of the, the game is um, where you, you get that element of there's a little bit of the clubs taking advantage of people's good nature, their passion, etc. If you were to outline something ugly, 
you know, is the term. It doesn't have to be that harsh. But something you disliked about the industry or the career that you've it's grinded you a little bit. Is there anything that you you've got there that you you could share with people? I think I I, I totally agree with you, Sai, about that. Um, and it's something that I, you know I, I'm really not comfortable with. But also, I think that my two sort of the two things that I sort of came up with I couldn't come up with one thing because they sort of go hand in hand to a degree um and I've, I've we've touched on it earlier is that um it's not just in the game if you like or, or in our arena or our industry but it's it's it's, it's in life I, I, yeah. I can't I can't stand and again it's up down to my upbringing mm. and it's me my dad's fault um but i'm thankful for it uh i can't stand um narcissists yeah so people who are full of their own importance and yeah. people that perceive they've got all the answers um you know the font of all knowledge uh, which nobody is mm -hmm. and i can't stand elitists yeah so i would definitely put them in room 101 <laughs> well, we're grumpy old men now, so we can yeah, have yeah. old yeah. they, they are my, they are my ugly. So you know, people who believe they're more important than others, I just don't get it. Mm. And, and I think the problem with it as well. And if you think about our 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 roles, well, now whether you're a coach or coach developer, I put them in the same bracket. You know, for this part, yeah. um, the whole point of either being a coach developer or a um, a, sorry, a player developer or a coach developer is surely, you know, two traits that you should have or two qualities you should have is to have sort of empathy and humility. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I always think about is, again, going back to what I was like at a certain level of coach, and I was terrible. I didn't have a clue when I started and why should I? Mm. And why should any coach know what anybody else knows if they haven't been privy to that information? Mm -hmm. But people are all too quick to sort of look down their nose and try and mm -hmm. prove how much better they are. They're, they're not. They're, they've had more experience. They're better informed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they're, they're the qualities that, that, you know, if I was to say uh, for a potential coach or coach developer, they're two qualities you need. If you haven't got empathy and humility, then you know you're going into the wrong the wrong trade well, i suppose that brings us nicely to the future um like what's <clears throat> i suppose what's your plans and dreams for for the future you know what where do you see yourself i suppose in the next five to ten years but uh, are you going to be continuing this coaching journey or you know is there another bend in the road that you want to take i suppose um yeah, no, basically, same thing, mate. You know, it's it's keep doing what I'm doing. I, I'm keep enjoying it, keep learning, um, enjoy my family. They're you know they're first and foremost my sort of number one passion, if you like, mm. and what I'm all about. Um, but away from family, yeah, just continue doing what I'm doing, and I'm hoping that you know there's there's more people out there who can um access what i'm offering um and why i'm offering it and i think sometimes i think i when i meet with people you know clubs especially and i i tell them what i do 
I'll give them some information and we meet up. I'm very, I'm brutally honest about what it is. And, I, and to be honest, I don't want to work with them if they want me to go in there and do one session and then go away. Mm. I want to work with people who want to want to have better informed and more knowledgeable coaches for the reason of them then um, hopefully inspiring the players and helping the players to be more creative players and make good decisions you know off the back of the information the coaches have now got but equally that then helps the club to be a better club all round as well um but when i say that you know i'm not i won't come in and work if you if you're you've not consist got consistency and continuity in mind then they seem to think that that's not you know a lot of people don't want that hmm. a lot of people want to want a quick fix um they they sort of want all the answers now well that's not it's not going to be a quick fix and it's going to take time and you need to you need to be willing to sort of work at it a bit from your social medias and uh, you know we, we follow each other yeah and yeah. Uh, you're always pushing yourself to be better than you are and you're also trying to use innovation um, you, you know, you're aware that me and Dave also did a podcast on artificially speaking, so AI. Yeah. So linked to the future, is there any sort of innovations that are catching your eye or things that you're thinking uh, could aid you in your coach development role that um, you're exploring or you, you think, you know what, I'm going to go after that and see how that might play out? Because, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing is showing that role modeling approach of, I'm outside my comfort zone. I want to give it a go. I want to see what happens. So what sort of insights have you got around that? I think there's there's so much out there, so isn't there? And I think mm. that's the – did you say aid me or age me? <laughs> yeah, well, Probably it could age you as well. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of stress, isn't it, sometimes yeah. trying to find an AI tool that works um, well. Yeah, I think there's there's so many different things out there, isn't there? that you you could use i think that i think the reason i do it the way that i do it um is i want to i want to try and keep it as simple as i can mm. to keep the messages simple um I, obviously there's there's a huge cost to my time the way that i do things but there's not a huge cost a mon not a huge monetary cost for yeah. doing things but i think I suppose the message from my point of view is you haven't got to use this uh, mechanism or you haven't got to use this gadget. You can mm. actually do things using things that are readily available. Yeah. If you can be willing to put the work in. Now, I'm not saying that everybody can do it or wants to do it, things like that. Um, but, you know, I'll, I've worked really hard to become better on PowerPoint. Mm. Um over you know a period of years and and i'd say i'm all right now uh so i can do loads of stuff on there and that you know down to session plans down to um uh you know you name it you know um i've started doing some of the stuff where it's you know the typewritten sort of powerpoint gifs and stuff like that i think they all look quite effective yeah. um I think that a lot of coaches don't really want it, if I'm honest. And I did that okay. experiment. I did an experiment yeah. to see what people want. And it goes back to my 
people wanting it now they want mm. very short clear concise information minimal amount of time screen on, on the screen paying attention to it and taking in some information and you know trying to sort of um uh, weigh up that information and you know contextualize it and see what it means to them people don't want yeah. to do that for yeah. whatever reason and whether that's mm. because a lot of people are early in their journey and they don't know that that's beneficial yet or mm. it may just be that well i can get that easier somewhere else now i've got to really think about it i'm not too yeah. sure mate yeah i'm not too sure but yeah i mean we've got um gen x gen z that we keep getting told about you know this this generation of coaches coming through yeah. and um you know it is how do they want to digest yeah. their information um will they become parents will they get into coaching some of the research is saying they might not even do that because they're more interested in you know just going to the gym to keep fit and do other things mm. so I, I i yeah i'm just always fascinated in different approaches because i think like you say when they're at the collecting stage as a beginner it is just give me sessions i'll put yeah. sessions on and i'll get the feedback from doing and they just yeah. want to hoard them and deliver them uh, as best they can yeah. um and I'm always trying to think of ways to, you know, shortcut some of that bit. Um, but I think going back to what you said about, you know, your, your first two jobs were 10 years. Yeah. People have to get back to that apprenticeship sort of bit, don't they? And go, you know what? There is no shortcut in this. You have to do the time. Uh, yeah. And that is, you know, the, the, the big thing with it, that message trying to help people understand you cannot transpose information straight into your brain and you're going to be a great coach. No. You have to be on the grass, have a go, get feedback, make mistakes, and then repeat and repeat yeah. and repeat. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it goes back to what we said about that motivation. You know, are, are you intrinsically motivated or are you extrinsically motivated? So if you're, extrinsically motivated and you want to get a qualification so you can go and work in an academy then you can do that but if you're intrinsically motivated and it's because you want to better yourself you want to be better informed you're willing to take more time with it you know you've got a passion for it so you're going to work hard and you've got to work hard at it for a long time i know who's going to last longer at it and it's not going to be the extrinsically motivated person it'll be the intrinsically motivated yeah, because that's where the longevity lies. Because they're doing it for the right reasons. Mm. I think to a degree, it's a societal thing now, generational thing where you know it's entitlement as well. You mm. know, I want it now. You know, I've, I've done a course. I want a certificate. Well, yeah, but you know, how did you do the course? What was you like on the course? Yeah. You know, did did you sort of achieve the criteria that the course requires? Yeah, but I've done the course. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah i've got that badge yeah but it doesn't mean that you can tie knots like uh, an able seaman you know you, you may have been able to do it a couple of times. You, you now need to be able to do it consistently probably blindfolded as well and i think you know that that's the the, the great part with coaching and helping others um to do that i think is is you know that time and them investing in time because I'm volunteering at a local club at the moment. I'm trying to help a young lady and I keep saying to her, what do you want from me? Yeah. And I don't think she knows, you know, yeah. she wants sessions. And will you co-deliver with me? Will you deliver some sessions? I said, of course I can. 
but this yeah. is your team. You're doing senior players at women's level and you want some sort of um, information. But yeah. the biggest thing for you is getting your players to tell you what they want from their experience because female game at grassroots level, differentiation, some are there just to have a bit of a jolly and a, a social with their friends. Others want to try and win games. Yeah. And she has to try and knit that together to get them going in the same direction before she can get anything yeah. else. And I think that that's the, the, the biggest um, issue, isn't it? It's always trying to help them uh, do that as best they can. Um, so uh, we, we're getting to the close now, mate. And um, we always ask people towards the end, would you recommend a guest? So is there anyone that you've come across through your uh, you know, uh, coaching career that you think, you know what, I think if you had a chat with this person, they would add real value to this community, the people that we're, we're trying to um, share knowledge, experience, skills, et cetera, with. So is there any, because we, it, you know, it can be anyone in the world. When we put yeah. them in the show notes, we'll, um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll drop them in. We'll say, oh, Gary Piggott yeah. said you, you'd be a good guest. Yeah. So is there anyone, so it can be someone might you personally prove, know. might prove me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it could be someone that we'll you personally you know. It, it could be someone in the, you know, the wider the wider world that you think you know what i've listened to their stuff and i think they're they're they're, they're worth a chat they're worth a talk to god there's so many mate uh, um, that's why we put you on the spot yeah, yeah. <laughs> diamond nine remember the diamond nine what's at the top of your diamond yeah i mean one of the i doubt if you'll get him um is uh was sia khaleesi the uh south south african captain uh, rugby captain oh yeah yeah. I, I listened to a podcast of his and he was phenomenal you know where he's come from and what he's achieved and yeah what his motivation was and stuff like that but you know in in lockdown i i listened to so many different podcasts is uh, that linked uh, to ubuntu is it ubuntu that, what uh, was their philosophy yeah that? yeah it is. yeah yeah um, and yeah it's there's so many inspirational people out there mm. um and I think a lot of them have done the rounds now. But I suppose it depends on where you want to pull somebody from. I mean, I honestly think that um, Alan, who I mentioned, would be a okay. fantastic guest. Yeah. I think he would I think he would add great value. He's he's mm. you know, he's got a wealth of experience. Um, as long as you know you put the caveat in there that you don't tell any jokes. Or um, only a couple. <laughs> well, or, <laughs> or maybe you know, just one at the end or something like that. A so good, bad and an ugly up. one would be yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> just pick him off at the end. Um, but yeah, he's got he's got a wealth of experience. He's a, he's a good storyteller. Um, he's a, a very sort of humble person as well. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, th I think he would be. I think he'd be an excellent guest if I'm if I'm perfectly honest. Well, that would that would be great. You know, and I don't know what he's like with technology. <laughs> Oh yeah, well we can help him. With we that. can I mean, help. Yeah, if yeah. you connect us with him and he, he yeah. was up for it, you know, we, we'd love him to come on. Because, like I say, for us, it's capturing this stuff, this knowledge, because you know, I think we're in the same page in a lot of ways. Of uh, you know, communities help communities grow and develop. So yeah. it's capturing that knowledge that Alan's got, and how uh, uh, facilitating a way for him to share that and give that to other people on a broader spectrum, because obviously he's done lots of great things in and around where he lives in Essex and beyond. Yeah. How can we try and share that? Because we're hoping that 
grassroots coaches from all over the the world yeah. would like to tap into the the knowledge sources because although we can we can bag um the efa a little bit we are quite far ahead in regards to other countries in the world oh, and the yeah. knowledge that me you the likes of alan and others that we're hoping to get on have got around this it, even if one nugget comes off that and someone in another place goes i'm going to try that you know what i'm going to give that a go yeah. i think that that's one of the, the powerful things that we're hoping through the community that we'll be able to uh, share so yeah by all means if you want to have a chat with alan and uh, ping us his contact details we'll yeah, reach we'll out to him and uh, see if he wants to go from there dave yeah, no problem. i think before we wrap up things with our last kind of question i think it'd be good because there will be people listening that want to hear more from you, Gary. How, where can people find you? Like, what? What's? Are you on Twitter? What? What? Where? Where are you sharing? And where? You know, yeah, where can people so find you? I'm on. I'm on Twitter uh, at ccd underscore essex. Um, and yeah, I mean that's more like the best place to to drop me a a, a DM. He's um, on I've Threads. Opened, Dave was bagging threads the other day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm on threads. Um, not really got my head around it yet. Um, <laughs> That's what we were discussing. Guys. We'll we're trying to, Twitter, to work out we'll what threads Twitter. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know how to. Threads. I don't know how to connect with people. Really, <laughs> on there. Um, yeah, it's not as messy as Instagram. I don't think. Or no. I think well, it's what? We'll we'll put your handle in the show notes as well, so people can actually connect and uh, start following you. And, yeah, please and, do. And obviously, getting in touch if 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 they're interested as well, because I think I think there will be a lot of interest. Um, and then that brings us nicely to the end. So uh, we normally we finish things off um, asking. Oh, um, uh, Gary's left. Yeah, he's dropped off. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh no! What happened? He seemed to just suddenly hit the mic. Um, yeah, let, it's it. The camera seemed to go. Uh, let me see if I can see if he can um, come straight back. Join up again. If not, we'll grab it afterwards and ask yeah. him for his quote and say quote. Yeah. Uh, let's just see if we can get him to rejoin. Technology. Yeah. Can't live with it. Can't live without it. <laughs> He's had a little uh, disaster there. Here he there is. He is. Like, there he yeah. is. Hey, we thought we like, like offended you. Uh, <laughs> I adjusted I adjusted my headphones and pulled the screen down. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> sorry guys. The last thing we always ask our guests is if there's a quote um, that you think epitomizes you or your philosophy in life, but also in your coaching. Is it, have you got a quote or? Is there any sort of comment like that that you've, I suppose, that epitomises you? Um, I think, I think it's about. I've heard, I've heard it on so many different sort of podcasts and webinars and stuff like that. Now it's, it's mainly the, you know, the caring thing from Maya Angelou. You know, about nobody remembers what you did, nobody remembers what you've said, uh, but people who remember how you made them feel. Mm. And I think that it that just resonates with me, but also I think something that you know again going back to to my old man who wasn't a um, a philosopher or anything like that, <laughs> mm. but he he just said to me, you know, the most important things in life don't cost you a penny. 
Mm. And I think that's such a valuable message. You know, and if you've got if you've got your health, if you've got your family, if you've got some friends, then you, you're rich. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's so true, and it's uh, I think that's a lovely place to to end things. Really, I don't think we could end it on on such a high uh, any other way. But Gary, thank you again for for all of that insight and for sharing all that with us. Uh, I for one have enjoyed it, and I'm sure all our listeners will be very much in, will enjoy listening to this. And as I say, I think they'll search you out on Twitter, obviously not on treads though. <laughs> no, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure guys. And, you know, once again, thanks, thanks for the invite. And I've really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Gary. And I just reiterate one more time, you know, it's been brilliant to have you on. We weren't too grumpy, which was good. We kept it light. We could have gone right in on certain things and uh, you know, we, we didn't need to cause you know, the feel of it was a, the right vibe for me. I think it's that collaboration, that community, uh, and that just sums up your philosophy and how to develop others. And I think that really came across. So Thank yeah, you. cheers, mate. Really appreciate we'll it. There was a second miserable one. Oh yeah, we can <laughs> easier. We can talk yeah. about AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. No problem. All the best. Bye bye.